Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Welcome you to another memorable Monday morning of Daybreak Devotions from McLeansville Baptist Church in McLeansville, North Carolina with Mike Barnett, comma, pastor, and Corey Cantrell, comma, pastor, your co-host. Quite an explanation of title there. Very, very, <laughs> very formal. I wanted it to have like that signature-esque yes. type thing. It's an audible signature. We've signed on, in other words. We've uh, signed on the air. That's right. You know, one of the things we don't have that I think we still need... We need one of those on-air signs to have up. We need an on-air sign. We literally need a clock on the wall because we referenced that. You know, the old clock on the wall says we're out of time, but there's actually literally no clock on the wall. No, we've got a blinking clock over there, but the time's not right. Yeah, it's way off. I think it said the same thing for the five years we're that I've been We're giving way too much information about how untechno we are. It's that down-to-earth feel. We want people to feel like, you know what, those are those are two relatable guys. They're not putting on airs. <laughs> they gave that up a long time ago. <laughs> uh, half the time, I think they're wondering just what exactly are they talking about. Just get to the Bible, man. That's what they're thinking. Now, that's what Brother Dave tells us. Oh, that's right. Just preach the uh, word, preach fellas. Preach the word. Well, we're going to do that today. We're going to preach, teach, talk about, discuss the word of God. We are in Psalm 119 again on this week, and we're in verse 89 through 96. Now, if you remember, the end of last week on Friday, we talked about how much of a sense of, I don't know, just overwhelming and affliction, and I don't know if we used the word negativity, but it just had a vibe of, man, here's a guy in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. This one's different than that. This one is certainly more on the positive side of encouraging us in just how important God's Word is to us. And so I have entitled my studies of this to uh, this section as the way of the devout heart is watchfulness by the word. Watchfulness by the word. I never do ask you, but do you uh, do you do you have a, like a summary title or blanket point? Not well. I mean, I've got kind of a verse that jumps out and maybe an overarching theme, but it's never it's never pinned down in an articulate, easy to grasp way. Like it makes sense up here, but I have to explain more what I'm talking about, rather than just saying, boom, here's the phrase. Well, you could hit us up with your favorite verse of the section. I definitely think mine is verse number 90. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations, and thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. And I think from that, in light of everything, of of the sections leading up to this one, and then kind of even in this particular eight-verse section, it's almost like the psalmist is revealing, okay, these, these aren't principles that are just good for me today. These are the same principles that those behind me that experienced a successful life with God, they did these things. And oh yeah, by the way, future reader, these are the same things that are going to help you as well because the word of the Lord, it abideth forever. It's settled, it's secured, and the things that I'm doing today will be the same things that I'll need to do tomorrow, next year, and forever because God changes not. Well, we're talking about the faithfulness of God in this this uh, this whole section, and throughout the whole psalm itself. And that faithfulness is best revealed to us through God's Word, which mm-hmm. is constantly with us. Um, my mind is running to Psalm 100 for some reason, and this is happening live in front of you and the Lord and all the listeners. I can't put a finger on why, but I'm turning over there. Ah, 
It's verse 5, the end of that psalm. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Mm -hmm. I knew something was pinging off in there. His truth endureth to all generations. Well, we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God. Faithfulness of God is forever. That's what we learn in this psalm. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Now, what I want to do today, I was sitting here looking at the table, and we each in all of our little spots have a copy of this year's church calendar. And on the back of the calendar, it has our theme, Renovation Year, and five different primary topics. And I was noticing today we're really talking about number five on there, which is intentionally pursuing kingdom living. And that's, that's what we're trying to encourage people. And really, with that's what we do all the time with radio broadcasts. We're trying to encourage you into kingdom living, but it does have to be intentional. It's not just going to happen. You don't fall out of bed into a devout and holy life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't know, for some reason that image just seemed funny to me. Roll out of bed, hit the ground. Oh, wow. Yeah, maybe because, uh, as, as I alluded to the other day, with the back trouble that I was having last week, uh, I, I had a lot of trouble just rolling out of bed, period. But yeah. anyway, uh, the faithfulness of God. So, <laughs> Sorry, I had this thought. You know, your back trouble, maybe that is the only time that you literally do roll out of bed in the devout life because it's immediately like, oh, Lord, I'm going to need you today. Uh, that's not exactly a joke. That actually happened. <laughs> I, mean, I lived so, it. So that's the, so that should be the disclaimer. The only time that you actually roll out of bed devout is when you are in intense physical pain and suffering because it's the immediate reminder of, okay, I can't do this today. Well, if you hadn't picked up on that theme all of last week, I mean, I, I think we hammered that out, that our pain uh, has a purpose of driving us pushing us to a closer walk with God. So it's very real. Sure. Whether it's back pain or you know grief or, uh, of a loss, whatever it is. Now I was thinking, the unchangeableness of God. Is that a word, unchangeableness? Yeah, the, the theological term we would use would be the immutability. Yeah, but nobody knows what we're talking about. If we say the unchangeableness, though, Or would it know. be the changelessness? Okay, we can use that, the changelessness of God. But that's something that's guaranteed. And this is comforting and encouraging news when you're living in our modern world, especially in this modern world. And what I mean by that, think about this. It would have always been a comfort to know that God was immutable and faithful, even for those living back in the generation of David, Hezekiah, whoever it all is that wrote this psalm and contributed to it, or whichever guy it was. It would have been good for them to know that in their day. You know, in, in the time of Israel where you still had the kings, I mean, from the king sitting on the throne to the low, lowest peasant in the, in the city or whatever, or in the country, all of them, you know, they would have been comforted by knowing God doesn't change because they all experienced the changes of life that come to all people. There were sicknesses, deaths in the family, aging. There was at least local violence and sometimes war. And then news from afar would eventually reach them, although you know, in that day, you might have been getting word, hey, did you know that the, there was a war going on? Yeah, it ended four months ago. Yeah. You know? But they would have eventually got the news. But now think about it in our day and the chaos that is done to our soul by the 24-hour news cycle. We not only experience all of the common changes of life that I just described, and, and all that's normal to, to each person living, but we're hearing and seeing the trauma and the pandemonium from across the globe in real time. It's not even getting to us after the fact. Now, again, that's if we're choosing to expose our soul 
to that all the time. I was doing some quick research on some of this and got a couple of of facts I want to give you. First of all, let me say this. From what I can gather, sensationalized news is about, and when we say sensationalized news, you know, in other words, I could say there's a dog that just walked through the parking lot of the church. Or I could say, breaking news, furry mammal with claws and snarling teeth passes through community, pull your children inside the house, keep a lookout, beware, your lives are at stake. Wolf, wolf-like animal, wolf-like seen, animal seen in parking lot of local religious institution. That's a whole lot better than mine. You could write for, like, National Geographic. Oh, man. I mean, not National, the National Enquirer. National Enquirer yeah. or National Geographic. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. That's sensationalized news. Now, that's said to be about 95% of what makes headlines in the American news circuit, probably in global news. So, largely, the reason that happens is because it is consumer-driven. Mm-hmm. So, think about this. In all these news organizations, you have advertisers who are buying time. Now, what are those advertisers pushing for? That matters as in terms of what these, quote, news organizations are going to put out there. Then you've got, of course, uh, you know, advertisers, sponsors. But then you've got the consumers of those who are watching themselves. What are they, what do they have a taste for? And most of that is based on the algorithms of what people are looking for, searching for uh, from uh, their, their, everything from their televisions to their, their computers it's what is getting people's attention. That's what's being put out. There is, I don't know if it's an official term or if it's just a colloquial term, but what you're referring to is clickbait articles. It's things that are worded in such a way to entice the browser to click on, open the link, because then the advertisers, you know, they're, they're paying per click, and then it, it all those algorithms and all that type of thing. So the, sensa- the sensationalized news, it's worded in such a way to draw and entice to get you to make that click. Let's put it like this. I think, I think I'm going to say this right. Let's say that I'm sitting here and I open up my computer. I turn my computer on, or it could be your smartphone or whatever, mm-hmm. and you've got the page, the homepage with news quote on it. Now, what's going to be reflected on that screen is going to directly be linked to what you've been reading about, what you're interested in, what has held your attention. However, not so obvious to the brain, unless somebody calls it out, is that that on your screen does not represent the totality of what is going on in the world. Right. But in your perception, this is the world. You know, if you're, a, if you're driven by politics or you're driven by sports or you're driven by Hollywood, you're going to look on that screen and that's what you're going to be reading about. Oh, yeah, they'll sprinkle other little things and they're trying to catch, your, catch you to see what you'll go for. But you'll get in this, this cycle of thinking this is what life is all about because, hey, that's what they're talking about out there in the world. Yeah. No, that's just coming to you because that's what keeps you turning it back on. As you're sitting there talking... So I'm not a fisherman, but my brother-in-law, my father-in-law, there are people in my life that are avid fishermen that have tackle boxes full of all sorts of different lures and different things like that. And depending on what they're fishing for and where they're at will depend on the type of lures and the type of cast they go because they know this particular fish in this particular climate goes for this particular thing. 
That's exactly what you're describing to consumers in the world. Uh, our enemy, the enemy of humanity, knows what captures each particular individual's attention. He knows the world that they're living in, and he knows what to throw in front of them to continue propagating it. This is, this is the world. This is reality. This is all there is, so keep biting, keep latching, because this is it. And according to Time Magazine, 10% of Americans check their phone for the check the news on their phones every hour. Wow. So, so every hour they're going back to their phones to see what's going on. Or it might be their computer, but they're checking the news every hour on their devices. Just to see if anything else has changed. Just to see. And and again, it's going to look like, man, this is just happening all over the place. This is this is what everybody's talking about. Hey, news flash, it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. Now, I need to make a connection here. Why why are we, why did I even bring this up? I said that this section of the psalm is watchfulness by the word. Let me just draw your attention to that word, watch. What are we watching? What are we paying attention to? This whole psalm and God's word as a whole, and this section in particular, is calling us to pay attention to the unchanging, faithful word of God that is forever settled in heaven. You know, he says later in the psalm, verse 92 Uh, Unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. He said, I would have been overcome by all the problems. And he calls it, he says, mine affliction. Now, I want you to think about how are we afflicting ourselves by what we expose ourselves to in all these things that we're giving our attention to. Verse 93, he says, I will never forget thy precepts, for with them thou hast quickened me. So he's saying... If I had not given most of my attention to your word, to your truth, I would have been in big trouble. That's the connection. That's why I'm talking about this. So let me come back to making a couple of points here. According to the World Health Organization, in 2019, one in every eight people, or 970 million people around the world, were living with a mental disorder. Anxiety and depressive disorders are the most common. 970, that's almost a billion people, yeah. right? Which is a seventh of the world yeah, or whatever that percentage is. I mean, that, that's huge. It's, it's, it sounds like, I mean, one-seventh doesn't sound like a lot. Like if, if you're talking about like, hey, I ate one-seventh of a pizza. Well, that might be one slice of pizza. But when you're talking about a seventh of the population of the world that, like you said, is getting upwards to almost one billion people that's there's there's no way to sugarcoat that that is a staggering fact and figure especially when you're talking about that these are people struggling with mental illnesses and and different things like that i noticed you had a hard time even putting into words how you felt about that. i did well guess how many people live in the united states of america I don't think we're at a billion, are we? No. I said that, according to the WHO, 970 million people around the world were living with mental disorder. The population of the United States in 2021 was 332 million. So you want to put it in perspective? We're talking about the population of the entire United States plus times Times three. three. So there you get some sense of what we're talking about. Imagine living in a culture, in a world where everybody has anxiety and depression, and these are just the, the top two. You know, I was looking at the, that article, and it talked about bipolar disorder, eating disorders, all these different things that people suffer from. Now, look, even if we allow that a lot of people are being diagnosed that it might be something else, like 
eating disorders or bipolar or depression, it could actually be linked to nutritional stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, I believe in that. But even if you say 25% of that, we're still looking at way over the population of the United States, everybody having some kind of uh, mental disorder or behavioral disorder in their life. Wow. Now, now, given, given that, Common Sense Media did a survey in which they found that 63% of children between the ages of 12 and 18 say that watching the news makes them feel depressed, angry, or afraid. Yet, yet, this is still in the study, 48% of those same children said that it was important for them to watch the news, almost half. And 70% of those children said that they considered the news to be a valuable source of information. And I, in my notes, I put like exclamation marks out the wazoo. Can you say that? Yeah, you can. Okay. Uh, and, and this was the question. Like, what are we teaching our children? Yes. Because that was, that was my point that I was going to make. I don't know a single 12 or 13-year-old that has developed the mindset of, I need to be connected to the news. This is important. Like, they are being taught from we as adults Hey, you need to be informed in what's going on. Mm-hmm. Now, you need to watch the news. You need to know what's going on. And so it is being programmed at an early age that, okay, I guess we got to just grow up miserable because we got to know what's going on. But, man, this is horrible. And I'm sure that as you watch them, the, that age increase, you know, your 12-year-olds are probably the more of the half that doesn't really, you know, think it's all that important, right? But as they grow older and it just becomes the common thing in their life because mom and dad are watching the news all the time and it's on in the car all the time. You know, I was reading uh, I was reading The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry again last night, a chapter in that, and he was talking about what is it that drives us to turn on NPR every time we get in the car. You know, or and he was talking about the importance of solitude and silence in our life as a spiritual discipline, but how that we can't escape this because we're drawn to it all the time. Look, I'll testify again. When I was still in the Army as a, as a chaplain, I used to drive. Anytime I was in the car, I was listening to either you know the the conservative Christian, not conservative Christian, the conservative talk radio or sports ESPN. Like that's what I was feeding into my head and my mind all the time, and you know that was not good. Even when I first came here as a pastor in the car there here that the church had had the satellite radio coming into it, you know Fox News and all this stuff. And I look, hey, some of you are going to just write me off right now, but I didn't just listen to Fox News. I ate listened to CNN and MSNBC sometimes too. I wanted to find out what all the teams were up to. You wanted to be balanced in your extremely biased news. Sensationalized news, yes. You know, one side, hey, wolf-like creature prowling through religious parking area, you know, and over here, it was a dog, you know. The other side is religious institution violates reading wolf like what oh man anyway but hey i i will never regret leaving all that behind years ago and i have no desire to go back to it right now and i'll tell you all of this is leading to something we say about what are we teaching our children all this time we're given and all this importance we're given to this stuff we need to turn that around and begin to teach our children and as you said all these generations that are coming behind us, they need to know that's not what's going to make them a holy people and a devout right. people. That's going to drive you crazy, literally. You know, what What category do you want to be in? And don't think that Christians are excluded from this. I guarantee you, I shouldn't guarantee, but I feel very strongly that if you could do the numbers, the percentages of people inside the church with mental disorders is no different from those outside the church. Why? We're laying it out right now. Yeah. It's a rant. I know it's a rant. I said I'd have a rant when we started today. 
Now we're going to turn from the rant, and obviously, you know, we'll have part two of this tomorrow. But it, it's largely this problem of what are we giving our attention and our time to. And I would almost be curious to know if that study was to be done, if perhaps the percentage may even be higher in churches as far as like if you're if you're taking the whole because most of the people in church know where their hope should be given to my hope should be on Jesus and so now you've got that inner conflict of where your head and your heart is telling you this is where your hope should be but because your life is lived in a different way and you're dealing with this this reality you've got this now internal struggle where where things aren't adding up where at least in the world they don't have the hope of the way things should be. They're just Yeah, I mean, they're, just they're trying to protect everything that is here now because that's all that matters. That's right. all they've got. So I would almost think that it would almost be maybe even worse in the church because we are so plugged into everything that the world is doing, and now we've got this internal conflict and there's well, no resolution. If that's true, shame on us. But that's why discussions like this need to happen. Yes. I mean, let's talk about the average American Christian home. Some people may call all this judging or meddling, but I tell you, somebody really needs to do it. We need to to get this to become a more relevant, practical discussion. Because how many hours of news and television and social media are we consuming as as Christian people, as people who are supposed to be followers of Christ? And then how many hours of Bible and prayer are we engaged in? Or in other words, how much of God are we consuming? So think about that. How much of the world am I consuming through my electronic devices? versus how much of God am I consuming? Now, you can use electronic devices to consume more of God, too, but, I mean, look at your look at your screen time on your phone, and I guarantee you, if you're averaging five, six, seven hours a day, how much of that do you really think is, is you getting from God? Right. I dare say not a whole lot of it. I hope it is. Here, listen to this defini- definition, hypnosis. Hypnosis is defined as, now listen closely, hypnosis is defined as a trance-like condition that can be artificially induced, characterized by an altered consciousness, diminished willpower, and an increased responsiveness to suggestion. I want to read that one more time for the listener. I'm I'm defining hypnosis. A trance-like condition that can be artificially induced, characterized by an altered consciousness, diminished willpower, and an increased responsiveness to suggestion. Now, given that definition, in your mind, I want you to watch yourself watching TV. Right? Yep. According to the Boston Globe, the average American child watches 25 to 30 hours of television weekly. That means that by the age of 18, a child has watched some 15,000 hours of television. This compares to 11,000 hours spent in the classroom. The only thing a child does more than watch television is sleep. And that's coming from an article by the Orthodox Church in America entitled Television in the Christian Home. But here's the thing about that. They say that it takes 10,000 hours to, to become a master of anything. We are raising probably the third generation or fourth now of masters of television. Now, now, honestly, we don't have the numbers of video gaming in front of us, but didn't I say something the other day about uh, the hours that the average 21-year-old, so they got a few more years in there, but the average amount of hours the 
the average 21-year-old American male, how many hours of video gaming he's played by that age. Mm-hmm. And it was like 18,000 or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it's so it's we're, a lot. So we're mastering television and video games. Now, friends, I don't know what you expect this world to look like 20 years from now, but it ain't going to be grandma's world anymore. Yeah. It ain't going to be your great-grandpa's world anymore. So what's the big deal about all this? What's the big deal? Everybody's doing it. So what do we do? Do we keep backslapping one another, winking and nodding about the facts that we have this golden calf idol in our homes? Or do we make some decisions and become intentional about changing it? Now, we're running out of time. But let me close with this today. Here's another part of the article that I was just referring to, television in the Christian home. The issue, it was a good article, but I just want to skip down to the bottom of it. The issue doesn't seem to be whether or not television can be well used. It can be. Rather, the issue is one of of its control. Even if the political action against advertisers, networks, and government to free television from its portrayal of violence and sex succeeds, what would result? People would still be spending three to four hours daily watching television instead of doing other things. They would still be seeing mostly unchristian views of reality. How will the slight and vague control we exercise over television today stand up to television of the future as it becomes ever more present and ever more subtle? And then they give some practical tips. I wish I could say I came up with this list, but this is a good list. I don't need to come up with Listen to these practical tips. In other words, how do we deal with this thing of television? It's here to stay. We all use our televisions. I I enjoy a good Andy Griffith show. I enjoy a good John Wayne movie, right? Uh, but how, how are we going to make sure that we're not being destroyed by this, okay? And raising a bunch of TV, I mean, druggies. Know, let's just say Lester Roloff used to call it the one-eyed idiot, the idiot box. Well, we'll just call it that, all right? Here's these practical tips. They give five, and I'm done with this. Number one, find healthy alternatives to television. Read from the Bible or other good books. Tell stories. Play educational games. Number two, if you do watch, insist on good shows from producers and sponsors. Now, that would mean being engaging and actually letting people know. Number three, if possible, have only one television set in the house and do not keep it in a prominent place. They even went on to say in that suggestion, cover it up when you're done with it or roll it back into a a closet or somewhere when you're not watching it. That just, hey, can't argue with it. Number four, carefully select programs that will be interesting and informative to the whole family. I hate it when I hear people say, ah, that's probably not one you want to watch with your children. And I've started pushing back against that when I hear it. And I I will respond by saying, well, if I can't watch it with my children, should I be watching it at all? Right? Um, Number five, after watching a program, discuss what has been seen with the family. Encourage Christian discernment. Hmm. So all of a sudden we're turning this time, not three to four hours every day, Whatever time it is, we've turned it into something that's educational and enlightening and brings us back to God and his word. Now, if we're doing that, that's a responsible way to do it, but it's going to eliminate a whole lot of what goes for our entertainment and our news watching today. Well, and the other thing that it does is it does transition this from a word that you hate. It takes it away from amusement and actually turns it into entertainment. Well, I wanted to read Psalm 103 right there. No, is it Psalm 103? Psalm 101, verse 3. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. That's some of the discernment that we apply into this. But, yes, we are out of time, way out of time, so we'll have to come back to these verses tomorrow. 
thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.